Hi guys, look, thanks for getting together. 3rd of March, just do a quick overview of the various subregions we're working on. I'm gonna break tradition and kick off with a little bit on Myanmar today. Now, obviously this is quite a detailed daily report, but um, five military soldiers were killed in renewed clashes in the, in the KN state. Uh, approximately three and a half thousand re residents in the Sagam region fled their homes after Tapador soldiers entered the village at about 4 a.m. yesterday. Another incident, at least 6,000 civilian houses were set on fire on the February 1st and again on March 1st, and at least 221 civilians and 827 resistance fighters were killed in Kaya State um, during the month of February. In Yangon, security personnel conducted several raids and arrests throughout the city between March 1 up until yesterday, so just over three days. The operation targeted the funding networks of underground resistance groups. In East Asia Pacific today, ignoring uh, the detailed report on Myanmar, we've covered 25 developments. Um, the main event for clients to be aware of is in New Zealand again, where um, anti-government demonstrators continue to protest near the parliament in Wellington. And uh, also in Indonesia, where there's a protest going on in there in relation to um, basically, in fact, Uday, you might like to comment on this, protests in Indonesia are unfolding in relation to a bit of a scam and fiasco that's going on in Indonesia. And that basically is all around um, certain little clicky group trying to extend Jokowi's presidential term. And that's so the elite power brokers can also be elite money makers. Uday, uh, would you like to give a bit of an overview on that? Yeah, Paul. So in recent weeks, there's been increasing talks about delaying President Jokowi's term uh, until 2026 or early 2027. There's also been talk about, you know, giving him a third term, which is constitutional, which would require a constitutional amendment. And uh, another very juicy tidbit, I guess, is... Uh, some politicians from the ruling party have been talking about uh, how in the next elections, people will not get to vote for president, they'll have to vote for parties. Now, I think these are attempts by the political elite and, you know, the oligarchy in Indonesia, which you know a lot more about, uh, to try to consolidate their power because they don't want to share the pie at all with anyone. But uh, if you have any thoughts or comments, Paul, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, mate. Yeah, look, I think the... Disintegration of Indonesia under Sahara has left a massive scar. Um, fundamentally, the greatest thing going for Indonesia is one man, one vote. So it takes out a lot of the bias that's inherent from Java, whereby they hold way too much power. They extract way too much financial benefit from the other 17 odd thousand islands, but particularly um, from some of the restive provinces, um, Sulawesi, um, Ambon, Papua. Sumatra, Kalimantan, where there's massive resource, rich resources. So what's happening in Canberra often, uh, sorry, in Canberra, in Jakarta, often gets exposed in Canberra too, I guess. But um, in Jakarta, it often gets exposed when one man, one vote comes into play. So the powers to be are finally worked out in the absence of having the skills, empathy, uh, consideration of their countrymen to get elected, then you have to change the system. And if they try and change the system, I think they're in for a rude shock. Look, there's no doubt now, Jokowi's sitting back trying to appear to be a friendly former um, streetcar salesman, 
and now he's a president and he still holds those integrities and hasn't been coerced by the various nasty little elements that uh, occupy the oligarchs and the officers within Jakarta. But I think ultimately um, he's going to be exposed for what he's trying to do. There's no doubt Lahut is pulling strings. Perhaps uh, Lahut's the key man that may be managing the, the oligarchs on behalf of Jokowi. And the real indicator is going to be whether we suddenly start to see attacks on, um, on, on actual um, independent news services. So I think it's a really interesting one to look at today, okay? Yeah, I'd just like to add to that. Uh, some people have been char characterizing the Jokowi era as a new, new order. Uh, of course, this is a throwback to Suharto's new order era. So uh, yeah, I think that's it for me, Paul. If there's nothing else, I'll move on to South Asia. Please do. Right. Uh, so in South Asia today, we had uh, one assessed event and other, other developments. And uh, what I'd like to bring up is the Islamist party, Jamati Islami, is going to protest uh, across Karachi over the deteriorating law and order situation. Now, uh, in the bigger picture, there's been a wave of protests in Pakistan recently, and um, mostly against the government over a variety of issues from law and order to economic issues like inflation and unemployment. Now, interestingly, the infamous Tariqi Labayak Pakistan has come up again, and uh, it will also hold a series of nationwide anti-government protests from Karachi and in other parts of the country later this month. Now, this is very interesting because the TLP was instrumental in taking out the last government and helping Imran Khan come to uh, power. So, uh, Bhargav, here I'd like to ask you for your thoughts on this. Thank you. There, it's quite interesting that you bring up TLP and GI in the same breath. But I'm not really surprised because businesses <laughs> need to uh, need to worry about how the political landscape is going to evolve for Pakistan specifically. The economic recovery is critical. I mean, their uh, foreign reserves is uh, is a major concern. It's been a concern for better part of the decade, and they can't really afford deteriorating a law and order situation and further movement towards the Islamist parties will only make things worse. And the worst part here is how the military has behaved in terms of popular politics. I mean, they they have their own logic. They do not really stick with any one political element that they will support. And in, in the current times, they're in support of Imran Khan. That's why he has, he has stuck out for such a long time. And it's very prudent on Imran Khan's part too, not to, not to uh, rub the army the wrong way. But overall, uh, businesses need to be concerned about these political movements, mainly towards the Islamist parties, uh, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that TLP gaining more popularity is a major concern, even if Imran Khan uh, actually enjoys military support? There. Yeah, I think TLP will be one of the most influential political actors in the next elections, and uh, I think the military will end up backing them. And there are also some allegations that the military uses them to further their own agendas which happens in a lot of countries. So it's an um, interesting dynamic, but uh, for the political and security situation in Pakistan, it's not that great. Um, but yeah, that's it from South Asia for us. Uh, Paul, any closing comments? Nope.
Nope, let's crack on. Thank you, Paul. 